welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman. Full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts and a whole lot of oversharing. And a happy new year. Does anyone know the lyrics to Old Lang Syne? No. Me neither. I know that this is welcome, welcome. I know that this is technically the second podcast of 2023, but the first one was pre recorded before Christmas. And so I haven't had the uh, opportunity to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And welcome, welcome, listeners, to the year 2023. What will it bring? Hmm? What will it give us? What will we do? Will we survive? Will we thrive? I think I've been watching too much American telly because no Brit would talk that bollocks in like seriousness. A quick thought I had this morning that I'd like to share with you before we begin. Have you ever noticed that, not crowbars, what are they called? The bars. Now, (laughs) my husband would literally kill me because he's a mechanic. The tow bars, that's it, the tow bars. The tow bars at the back of cars to, to tow things they, without the, the implement being towed, so just the tow bar on the back of the car, just looks like a penis. Think about it. Shall we begin? So I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year and a wonderful holiday and all that jazz. It really goes on a bit, doesn't it? And it's an awful lot of pressure to be happy the whole time. I mean, we can't. We're English. No one's happy that for that amount of time, especially when they're having to spend time with their family. It's just not natural, is it? I feel like for two two or three days, maybe, and I love my family, like I'm a family person, but for maybe two or three days, it's the most magical time. And then after two or three days, you think, ah, oh, this is why I left home. This is why as a grown ass adult, I don't live with you people anymore because that's not the way that God intended. Regardless, I hope you had a wonderful time. So I had a wonderful time. But what I want to talk to you about today is not my family dynamics at this festive season that we speak of, but in fact, the last wedding I did of 2022, the festive wedding, if you will. You know what that means, people. This episode is a little, a little story time. So just before Christmas, about a week before Christmas Day, I had a wedding in Durham, Durham, up north it is, up north, very far up north. It's about a five hour drive for me. So I was staying overnight, two nights, I tell you. It was the first time I've ever gone away for a work trip, like on my own. I'd done a, a, a wedding a few months ago that I went to that was actually abroad, but I went with my husband and it was like a sort of mini holiday. This was the first time in my life that with any job that I have gone away with work. You know, when people are like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm away for a few nights, you know, work, work, isn't it, darling? It's work. You know, there's a hotel foyer. I felt incredibly professional. It was during all the snow, so it was actually quite frightening. Oh my God, it was also during the bloody train strikes, wasn't it? What a nightmare. I mean, you know, power to the people and all that, but that was re- that was inconvenient, wasn't it? So I booked a train thinking, well, yes, it's a four-hour train, but actually that means four hours of Netflix time. And occasionally I would tap on the, on the keyboard of my computer so other people in the carriage thought that I was businessy and professional, you know, working on some sort of law document or something when really I was just watching too hot to handle so I was excited about a little downtime on the train and then the strikes happened so I thought best not risk it I'll drive so I drove up 
And actually, it was all right. I stopped a few times, got some coffee, you know, made some calls, business calls, you know, because I'm a businesswoman on on business. I'm traveling on business, people. Um, and, <laughs> and I got there and I walked into the foyer and it, I don't know why, I don't know what possessed me to book actually quite a fancy hotel. Like it was a big corporate hotel, but um, it was quite a fancy one. And that's not like me. You know how cheap I am. Anyway, I don't know what possessed me. I was obviously pissed when I did it. So I booked this um, lovely hotel. I walk in, huge, great big Christmas tree, music playing, you know, people sauntering around with their wheelie suitcases, other business professionals, you know, like me. And I checked in, you know, the way that business people do. <laughs> I promise, I promise. I'll stop referring to myself as that because I sound like a tool. Um and I checked in and I went up to my hotel room and I was like, oh my God, I feel so fancy. You know, I ticked the box. Are you the, are you here for, for leisure or work? I was like, work, obviously, professional. Both, in fact, because I love my job. The receptionist didn't need to hear that, did she? She didn't need the backstory. Poor lamb. So I checked in. I went upstairs to my room. I was like, oh my God, heavenly. Huge room, huge bathroom, huge bed, all to myself. Oh, a dream. You know, it was four o'clock at this point. So I had a cup of tea because I'm British and that's what we do. I can't possibly drink before I have tea. So I had a cup of tea, made some calls to my mum, uh, you know, let them know I landed safe. And then I thought, you know what? I've got the wedding's done. The ceremony's written. It's tomorrow. You know, I've got I've got my outfit planned. I'm, I'm here on my own. I've got nothing to do. I have got a husband and a toddler. The times that I have nothing to do, they are rare. They are rare. So I was at I was at a loss. I'd had my cup of tea from the sort of complimentary minibar scenario. I'd done that. I'd also put the rest of the complimentary minibar sachets and things in my bag so that housekeeping would fill them up and I could just replenish my stock at home. Um, and I thought, okay, well, you know, the world's my oyster. Maybe I'll pop out to Durham. I'll pop out to the town centre. The hotel was in the middle of the town. Now, I'd been warned that Durham wasn't sort of a hive of shopping activity. That's an understatement. Durham is, if you've not been, I'd not been before. Durham is beautiful. It is a university town, Durham University. I think it's quite a big deal. You know, I think you have to be quite clever to go to Durham University. I don't know why they keep sending me to these places. It's like when I went to Oxford and I instantly felt stupid, but my voice got posher because, you know, that makes people think I'm intelligent. It's the only reason I wear glasses. So I went out in town where there is really nothing except the university, a castle, naturally, uh, and variety on sort of varying levels of expense and class of pubs, restaurants and cafes. There were very few shops. I found what I can only describe as sort of a local department store, which essentially was just like a, an oversized version of the middle aisle of Aldi. Obviously, I went in, loved me a bargain, didn't find anything, did I? Because how many sort of fleeced onesies does one woman need for nine ninety nine? So I had a potter around and actually, after about half an hour, I was laughing to myself out loud like a crazy person because it was so depressing. The scenario, the situation, if you can imagine it, was so depressing. It's Christmas time. I'm on my own. I'm in a city I don't know, so I don't know where I'm going. I don't know anyone there. Christmas lights, Christmas trees, Christmas music, Christmas parties. Everyone is getting drunk and looking fabulous and laughing with their friends. <laughs> and I'm just there on my own. And it was like comical. It was so depressing 
that it was comical. It was like the beginning of a really bad rom-com. And I was the star. <laughs> so I took myself to Tesco's, didn't I? And um, bought myself a bottle of fizz. <laughs> <laughs> and a sharing size packet of popcorn, sharing size packet of crisps. You know, one was the starter, one was the pudding. And um, as I was walking back to the hotel, I thought, oh, do you know what, Liv? It's bloody Christmas. It's half six at night. I knew I was just going to get room service and stay in the hotel. And that's a long night. So I was like, go and have a drink. Be brave. I don't think I've ever been to a bar or a pub or whatever and had a drink just a drink on my own I maybe have had a meal before I certainly had like a, a breakfast or a lunch but I've never just gone for a drink on my own um, and I thought no come on do it be brave so the only place I could find that wasn't closed to Christmas parties was Weatherspoons. in case the scenario already was not depressing enough I frequented the Durham Weatherspoons at Christmas time on my own there were some local girls that had been kicked out I don't know why. I can only imagine it was their choice of clothing or lack thereof. Um, so I had the most depressing glass of fizz that one can ever have. <laughs> and I sauntered back to my hotel room. Luckily, I had a Zoom booked in, which I had actually sort of preempted my loneliness. And I thought, okay, actually, this is a good time for a Zoom. I've got no distractions. I've got no toddler crying in the background or husband for that matter. Um, this, this is a good time. So I did a Zoom call at seven. So I, they were having a glass of fizz. I was like, oh, my fizz, I have my fizz. Sure, sure, sure. So I had a glass of fizz. And it was such a nice Zoom. That was for a wedding that was going on the following week, but I wasn't going to perform the ceremony, sorry, but I did create it. So it was to go through the ceremony with the couple in question and her brother who was going to be delivering the ceremony on the day. So it was sort of just really nice chat, talking through what I'd written, talking him through, sort of coaching him through how to deliver it. So it was just really, really nice. And that went on for an hour or two, um, by which point half the fizz had gone, hadn't it? Because, you know, it's Christmas. <laughs> And um, and then I was sort of made some more calls because what do you do when you're in a hotel room on your own? And I called my sister-in-law who was also home alone with a glass of fizz because, you know, it's not that we've got a problem. It's not that we're drinking alone. To drink alone sounds like, you know, there should be cause for concern. It's not that. It's just that we, that is, that is it. <laughs> Now I think about it. But you know, what made us feel better is that we were sort of drinking together alone, right? Because we were on FaceTime. So she was drinking at home in Bristol and I was drinking in my hotel room in Durham, but we were on FaceTime. So technically we were having a drink together at Christmas time, talking about family and things. So technically it was fine. I was, I had company. Well, before I knew it, I'd finished the bottle of fizz, hadn't I? That gone. Um, so I thought I'd better eat something. So I ordered a pizza. Now, to some people, a bottle of fizz is a lot, right? But I'm a seasoned professional, so that barely touched the sides. So I had my bottle of fizz and, and I got my room service. I got my pizza. You know, they charge like £4 extra to bring it upstairs. Do you think I let them do that? Or do you think that when they told me that on the phone when I ordered it, I went downstairs and got it myself? What do you think for £4? If they'd given me a bigger discount, would have cooked it myself in the kitchens. So I went downstairs, obviously, got my pizza, came back up, had my pizza and my fizz in bed on FaceTime to my sister-in-law, watching Too Hot to Handle. <laughs> had another glass. And <laughs> just before I went to sleep, I went to turn the bedside light off and accidentally knocked the empty wine glass onto the half-eaten pizza. Well, I tell you, I don't know who the bloody hell I thought I was, some sort of rock star. 
so I just left it. I tidied it up a little bit and thought, meh, sod it, I'm knackered. I went to sleep. So the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh dear, <laughs> don't quite know what happened there. Actually, do you know what? Upon reflection, I do know what happened there. Do you know who I blame? I blame Liam Payne of One Direction. So I started listening listening to Stephen Bartlett, Diary of a CEO podcast. Brilliant. And on the way down, on the way up, sorry to Durham, on the drive there, I was listening to his interview with Liam Payne, who is one of the One Directioners. And he was saying that um, how he became an alcoholic so young was because they would go on tour and they would go on stage and they would perform to hundreds of thousands of people this huge adrenaline high go 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 loud noises Liam we love you and then afterwards they would be taken to the hotel room individually and like essentially locked in the hotel room so then this huge natural come down from this huge natural high of being on stage and they're just in a hotel room on their own and he had nothing to do but drink so I woke up the next morning and realised that on some subconscious level I was behaving like the Liam Payne of the celebrant world. That's clearly where I think I'm at. I mean, I freshened up. I had a sauna and a steam. I went to get my nails done in Durham town. Had a lovely breakfast. And really took time to get ready, you know. This wedding was the second and last wedding that I bought out the green suit. Now, if you follow me on my work Instagram at not that Olivia Coleman, then you will know of the green suit because the green suit is essentially an outfit that maybe the Grinch's cousin might wear to the Christmas party. It is a green suit with feathered sleeves. It's majestic. Absolutely majestic. I asked the brides before I wore it because I'm aware it's a little bit of a showstopper. So I was very excited to wear my green suit to this Christmas wedding because I knew that this wedding was going to be pretty special. So I got into this wedding. I got this job through recommendations, which is always such a brilliant feeling. The couple in question had been recommended me by their wedding planner, the gorgeous Donna from Northeast Wedding Planners. She is she is the woman, if you've listened to all the previous episodes, she is the woman who was going to help me when I had my food poisoning situation, you know, when I th didn't think that I could do um, the ceremony at Middleton Lodge. She was the celebrant come wedding planner who was going to step in and help me. And um, so I, I, I've spoken to her. We've chatted over the months. Anyway, she was their wedding planner and she recommended me. Apparently they said to her, if you can't do the ceremony because you're the planner, not the celebrant, who do you recommend? Who do you think is the best in the business? And bless you, Donna. Bless you, babe. You said me. That's ever so sweet. Um, so it really, it always, always means such a lot when you're recommended by industry professionals. It's just a huge, huge pat on the back. So they recommended me through Donna, but also weirdly, um, a friend of the bride I've known all my life and she recommended me as well. So anyway, I got to know the bride and groom and they were absolutely lovely. They live in London, but they went to university in Durham. So they were going back to where they met and where they spent a lot of their youth um, to get married. So I knew it was going to be a big do because Donna, do Donna don't do little do's, does she? Donna don't. What would Donna do? Donna does big do's. That doesn't mean to say she only does like mega bucks, fancy situations but what she does do is fabulous and she does it well so I knew it was going to be pretty epic I couldn't have predicted quite how epic so Durham 
pretty small town. I've explained to you that shit shops, bars, restaurants, cafes, all the rest of it. The, the town centre, um, they've got, I want to say a cenotaph, cenotaph statue. They've got something in the middle <laughs> of the town. Now, this is a this is the Friday before Christmas. So it, town's pretty busy with people shopping in the two shops that Durham has to offer the world. And um, I turned the corner to the centre of the town where the cenotaph is, for argument's sake, because the ceremony is going to take place in the town hall. And I turned the corner and I can hear the most wonderful sound. Back chat brass were playing. Now, uh, this is my second wedding with a brass band. And I must tell you that if I was going to get married again, booking a brass band is one of the top things that I would do. They are sensational. They are so fun. Like instantly, as soon as you hear that music and they do all like current pop songs, but in brass, as soon as you hear that music, you're instantly lifted. So I turned the corner to Durham Town Centre and this brass band are playing and like all the people of Durham, apparently all 200 of them, are there listening and clapping and dancing and watching this brass band play as all the guests are slowly arriving and walking into the town hall. It is just so cool. It's so much fun. Brilliant, brilliant vibe. There is a video on my work Instagram of, of it live because I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like instantly just felt really, really fun. So that was going on outside as everyone was arriving. And then I went inside to sort of just get the lay of the land and, and you know, put my bits away. Hang on. <laughs> my bits were not out. Oh, Christ. Drew, is this one of those bits we should cut out? I need to stop saying bits. Bits, 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 bits. Okay, bits. My bits. No, I can't. Okay, start again. So I went inside the ever consummate professional to unpack my bits. <laughs> to put my things away no it's still not working oh god I can't I'm literally dying okay so I went inside anywho and what I must explain to you about the ceremony is it was essentially like a carol service come wedding ceremony they had I think it was four hymns and two readings and it was they were I'm not gonna lie to you they were pretty posh right but they were so fun, the couple themselves. And that was the atmosphere they wanted. They wanted, I was surprised that they didn't want a registrar, but they said to me like, that's the tradition, but what we want, basically they, the, what they wanted, what they described is sort of what I do. They wanted traditional, but not formal. They wanted traditional, but they wanted fun and they wanted fresh and personal and funny and, and memorable and touching and romantic um, and sort of off the cuff storytelling. So it made sense. I mean, I was totally intimidated by everything, but it made sense that I was there because that's exactly the style that they wanted. So the whole thing looked beautiful. When you hear Town Hall, you kind of think, mm, okay, is there one of those kitchens in the corner where the blinds slide up and down? Do you know what I mean? Like in a village hall where you have children's parties. But this was like shields on the walls and a fireplace and flags. And it was beautiful, like really old, dark wooden walls um, and great big... Um, coloured stained glass windows it was beautiful quite a big wedding over 110 so all the chairs were were laid out as I stood at the altar I had beautiful flower arrangements to my left and to my right also to, to my left and to my right to my right I had a choir a local choir that they had brought in to sing the hymns now very clever idea if you can afford the extra cost brilliant because Sometimes when you have music at a celebrant-led ceremony, it 
can can has the potential to fall a little bit flat because it's not because it's not a hymn and it's not a church. And to be honest, even hymns and churches can fall a bit flat. People aren't used to singing them anymore, really. So what was great about that was that it encouraged everyone to sing. And it was sort of like, it didn't matter if people didn't because the choir were there to do it for them. So that was really, really brilliant. I loved that. I love choral music. And also every time we did a hymn, I sort of stood back and slightly to the right. So I, I felt like I was really a part of the team, you know. And then to my left, we had an a cappella group. An a cappella group. Now, when they turned up, all male a cappella group, I went, oh, you must be the acafellas. No, I'm sorry, but that is a very funny name for an all male a cappella group. The man looked at me like I just punched his mother. He's like, no, that's not our name. <laughs> well, it should be. But actually, their name is Sons of Pitches, which is even better, right? That's, a, that's pretty cool. And they were brilliant. I'd actually never seen an a cappella group live and they were so, so good. So they were singing as the guests were walking in and then they sang The Bride Down the Aisle as well. And they were really, really lovely. Um, and so this was all going on. There was a lot of music. There was a lot of people. Um, the time was coming up. The brass band had sort of gone into the underbelly of the town hall. Um, so that, you know, the public outside was sort of filtering out and, and going on about their day. Um, and I was watching my watch. What time is it? How long have you got left? Kind of thing. And then I thought, okay, you've got five minutes, right? So I was just stood at the altar with the groom and the best man and just sort of chit-chatting and having a bit of a, a joke and things. That's when they get nervous. So that's when I tend to just sort of talk to them about any old bollocks. So unlike me, because normally my conversation is ever so focused. And I went outside and I said to Donna, can you let me know when she arrives? Because I'd like to see her before we begin. Which if the bride or groom are getting married on site, I often do. But she was getting married, she was getting ready, sorry, elsewhere. And Donna just sort of looked behind me and I turned around and she was there. Oh my Moses. She was ethereal. Like she is beautiful anyway. And every bride is beautiful, even the ugly ones. But she was... <laughs> God, I'm a bitch. She was absolutely breathtaking, just beautiful, just really, oh, I can't even, like just so elegant, so elegant and graceful. And so that, you know, I welled up a little bit. So that's, that's why I go and see them because I do, I'm so attached by that point. I do get emotional, genuinely. And so I, you know, and that's, it's not about me and my emotions during the ceremony. So I have to go and see them so I can have my little cry beforehand. So I can keep myself composed during. Um, so she was there. She was ready to rock and roll. So I went in and the ceremony started. What was quite interesting about the ceremony, nine times out of 10, where logistically speaking, I stand at the end of the altar and then you've got the bride and the groom or the groom and the groom or the bride and the bride. And then you've got the congregation, the guests. And we're sort of in the middle. I'm, I'm using my hands like you can all see me, which you can't. Um, but it's as you would see in a church or a registry office. It's a traditional um, layout in terms of where people go and where people stand. Quite early on in this ceremony, the groom said to me, they sat down during the reading. And then he said, oh, do you want us, or can we stay sat down? And I could tell he was quite nervous and quite sort of overwhelmed. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. You stay sat. So they were sat slightly to the side in front of the choir, if you will. Which actually, do you know what, worked really well because it meant that they could sit down. So he was a bit more relaxed, less nervous, stood up in front of everyone. 
he could he could relax. She had these bloody 10 inch heels on, bless her. So she she could physically relax. Um, and also it meant that when I was speaking on the other side of the altar, I could sort of roam a bit more, which allowed for a bit more freedom and gesture and all the rest of it. And it meant that their guest could see their faces better. They could watch their reactions and 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 look at their faces as I was telling their story, which I think is really lovely. And then they stood up when we did the bows and the exchanging of the rings and all the rest of it. So the whole ceremony was just, it was beautiful. It was really, really special. I was concerned because it was quite a well-to-do occasion. I was like, well, what the hell am I doing here? But I think it went well. I think they were all surprised because they were probably expecting a Margaret in Navy to, you know, do something legal. But instead they got me in green doing very illegal. No, I've gone blue. I'm so sorry. Um, so it went really well. And then they walked back down the aisle and what was so brilliant, so right at the end of the ceremony, there was a hymn. And as the hymn finished and the choir stopped singing and the music sort of toned down, I sort of said my closing bit, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you already stood up. So please, can I ask you to give a huge round of applause for your bride and groom, Mr. and Mrs. And then as I announced them, the brass band had crept in at the back of the room and had started playing. So straight away, you're back into a really fun, uplifting atmosphere. And it was so jolly <laughs> it makes me sound like an absolute twat doesn't it but it, that's what it was it was so jolly so then they walk down the aisle and then they sort of sneak off to the side which just happens a lot and then um the guests all filtered out of the town hall back into the town center down the steps and into the town center and um the brass band was still playing so for about seven to ten minutes that was going on whilst everyone was getting ready in a confetti line for a confetti shot and the brass band were playing. So the, the people of Durham had come back. They'd done their shopping because, you know, there's only one shop to do it in and they'd come back. So it was literally the whole town centre was just full of members of the public. And it was, oh, it was so happy. And then the bride and groom came out and everyone cheered and clapped when the brass band were playing and they had confetti cannons and it was spectacular. And then they got to the end of the aisle and they were like, come on, everyone, follow us. And the brass band led the guests through the streets of Durham up this beautiful little cobbled hill to Durham Castle where the reception was. It was so lovely. It was so fun. I've, I'm sure there were a few tagalongs, you know, like members of the public that just sort of joined in at the end, like trying to get on a guided tour without paying for it. Do you know what I mean? And then we got to the castle they had photos outside, the brass band still playing. I'll tell you, I could have listened to them all day. At one point they were playing Spice Girls. I thought I'd like died and gone to heaven. Uh, and then we went inside and we had drinks and um, it was glorious. It was glorious. I didn't stay. They very kindly asked me to, but I didn't stay. I refrained, you know, because I'm professional. <laughs> like that, as we've discussed, I'm a businesswoman. So I went back to my hotel and actually that night I thought I'd be brave. So I went for dinner in the hotel. <laughs> But I did go for dinner on my own. I took a book. I was one of those people, you know, who reads and eats dinner alone, like my dad. <laughs> I had lovely fish and chips just to keep you fully in the loop and really paint the picture of my adventures. Um, I had a lovely night's sleep, got to starfish, didn't I? Because I was alone in the bed. Oh, God, it's the dream. Do you have it when you leave your partner? Your partner's like, oh, I don't like it when you're not in bed with me. I can't sleep. And I'm like... <laughs> I live for those nights. I live for a bed to myself. <laughs> Love you. 
And then I went home the next day. Got stuck in a blizzard, terrifying stuff. But, you know, I coped because I'm a businesswoman. So the whole thing was absolutely magical, totally wonderful, beautiful, perfectly organised by Donna. The suppliers were suppliers of dreams. Everything had been so beautifully thought out and curated. You could tell, especially as someone who's in the industry, I could tell that Donna was sort of handling so many different things and turning so many different cogs. But because she is a, a professional, she did all that whilst it all appeared to be uh, effortless and to run seamlessly, which I'm sure it did. Um, and if it didn't, I don't know about it. No one else knew about it, so it's okay. So it was just wonderful. And it was the it was the perfect end to a brilliant 2022. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones, and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.